So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, which is a Common Sea Inspirations production. It's been produced here in our Common Sea studio here in Ada, and it's the 18th of July. It's the 16th Sunday in ordinary time. My name is John Keeley, and help me to present the programme again today, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. Shane, thanks a lot for joining me this morning, and I know you'll, you'll join me in welcoming those who are housebound and those who are lonely and struggling. Especially in these days when there's still a certain amount of uncertainty uh, surrounding um, COVID and so on and so forth. But in the meantime, thank you again for those listeners who continue to support us in terms of prayer and encourage us as we meet you around uh, Newcastle West area, West Limerick, via text or emails. Thank you so much. Our programme, again, just to remind listeners, uh, is broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM at 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. each Sunday. And the podcast of Sacred Space 102 FM are just some of the Come and See Inspirations podcasts available for playback and download at our Come and See Inspirations podcast page. Just Google Come and See Inspirations and you'll find us there. And also, as we mentioned each week, we can be heard on Spotify and iTunes and Google Podcasts and so on and so forth. And also Facebook by, Google, by searching for Come and See Inspirations. The reason why we mention all these platforms, listeners, is that there's a lot of our listeners listen to us online in different parts of the world. And they might be listening to us on Spotify or iTunes or all these various podcasts. So that's the reason why I mentioned it each week. Um, you can contact us by text on 087-6088-667 or email comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com. That's text on 087-6088-667 or email comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com. So to start us off, as usual, Shane is going to share some saints for the week. What part of the world and century are we going to visit this week, Shane? Yeah, they're they're all over the place this week, to be perfectly honest. Um, so as John said at the top of the program, we're in week, uh, what week are we in? We're in the 16th week in ordinary time. So for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week four. Monday, the 19th, so we're going all the way back to the third fourth century in Cappadocia in modern Turkey and we're going to speak we're celebrating the feast of Saint uh, Macarena the Younger now she's known as Macarena the Younger because her grandmother is known as Macarena the Elder so to distinguish between the two so Macarena the Younger she's a sister of Basil the Great and Gregory of Nicosia uh, granddaughter as I said of Saint Macarena this is kind of this is one of these um, painful ones, because if you look at her family tree, so her, her grandmother's a saint, her parents are a saint, her brothers are saints. So this was a family that was, you know, very highly regarded. Her husband, she was betrothed at the age of 12 and her husband died before they got married and she decided to devote herself to the family and to religious life after that. And she, her, her biography was written by her brother, St. Gregory. She died in 379 at Pontus in modern Turkey of modern causes. The 20th of July is the feast day of St. Apollinaris, of, uh, sometimes known as Apollinar Apollinaris of Ravinia, which obviously is in Italy. He is a saint of the... Boom, 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 boom. I'm just trying to see where he died. Uh, he's a saint. He was born in Antioch in Turkey. He died in the year 79 AD, and he's associated with St. Peter. And sometimes you'll see pictures of him, or paintings of him, or icons of him. He's shown as a, a bishop. Other times he's shown as with a sword in his hand. He's patron saint against gout, for anyone that has that. He's also patron saint against epilepsy. Have absolutely no idea why. It wasn't very clear. 
Um, he's mentioned in the Acts of the Apostles. He's supposed to have been a student of St. Peter, first Bishop of Ravinia, and he faced ex, uh, persecution under Vas, Vespasian, the Emperor Vespasian. On his way out of the city, he was identified, arrested, tortured, and then martyred. Uh, so that's St. Apollinaris um, that we celebrate, our uh, memory we celebrate on the 20th of July. On the 21st of July, it's St. Lawrence of Brindisi. He's a Capuchin saint. He died in 1619, and he preached, very much involved with preaching in the Counter-Reformation. Um, he is very much associated with leading also a great, he led the German armies against the Turks in Hungary, and he gained peace for the peoples of Naples. So that's Lawrence of Brindisi, who we celebrate on the 21st of July. On the 22nd of July, now it's a new one, well, relatively new. It was introduced by Pope Francis. It's the feast day of St. Mary Magdalene. It's given a full feast day as, as opposed to memorial. And is, she is, of course, the apostle to the apostles. She stood by the cross of Jesus with the other women. She discovered the empty tomb. And she's the first person to whom the risen Lord appeared in the garden at Easter. And um, so that's who we celebrate. And it's an, it's an important one as well because, you know, Mary Magdalene, uh, sometimes gets a bad rap. She's sometimes identified as the woman who was a sinner. We don't know that for sure or not. Um, but she's, as she said, she, she has that title, the Apostle to the Apostles. Um, in On Friday the 23rd, we celebrate another feast day. It's the feast day of St. Bridget of Sweden. Now, Bridget of Sweden is one of the patrons of Europe. She was born in Sweden in 1303. Uh, she had eight children. But then after the death of her husband, she uh, dedicated herself to the ascetical life and she founded the Brigitine Order. Now, people say to me, what the hell is the Brigitine Order? The Brigitine Order, they're the funny little nuns. You see, if you see pictures with them, they have this funny little cap sitting on top of their veil. And it looks it's, it looks like kind of the a part of a, a helmet of a knight. It's the easiest way to describe it. And actually what it symbolizes is a crown with and the five marks on it symbolize the 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 wounds of, of Christ. So the Bridgetine Order that was founded by St. Bridget of Sweden, she lived in Rome towards the end of her life and she wrote many works and she had mystical experiences and she died in 1373. And she was declared a patron of Europe in the year 2000 by Pope John the Twin the Pope John Paul II, I beg your pardon. Uh, so she's up there uh, with a couple of other saints, including uh, Saint um, Saint Benedict. Uh, so uh, she's also up there. As far as I know, I just need to double check as well. She's also up Benedict Saint Benedict, whose feast day we celebrated last week. Saint Bridget of Sweden, whose feast day we have this week. Saint Catherine of Siena, and Edith Stein, otherwise known as Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. And also St. Cyril's and Methodus. Now, I was understood as well that somewhere along there as well, we had St. Columbanus, but I need to double check that one again. But definitely, so Bridget of Sweden is a patron of Europe. And then finally, next Saturday, the 24th of July, we have a Lebanese saint. Charbel Machlouf is his name. He was a monk of the Monastery of St. Maron, and he was ordained in 1859. He became a hermit from 1875 until his death in 1898, and he was very much renowned throughout uh, Lebanon as a man of counsel and wisdom. And he's, it's an interesting one, as people probably know, I lived in Lebanon for a period of time. He's a very popular saint, and it's not just confined to the Catholics. He's very popular with the Orthodox and also with the Muslim community in uh, Lebanon. 
and his his tomb is a renowned place of pilgrimage within the country. On the Irish calendar on Saturday, we feast, celebrate the feast day of St. Declan. He's considered one of the pre-patrician saints, is how it was described, i.e. he was before St. Patrick. He was said to have been of noble blood, and he went to Europe and was ordained priest, and is associated with Ardmore uh, down that neck of the woods. And we celebrate his feast day as well on the 24th of um, of July. Shane, thank you very much, Neil, for that. Thank you. So, just one notice that I've got to make. I think Shane's got another one, but just to mention the one that I've got here before I forget about it. Um, there has been a very successful and a beautiful uh, summer retreat in Mount Saint Alphonsus uh, in Limerick this past week, and we we're fortunate enough to be able to uh, record. Uh, the homilies and the talks, the reflections made there. And people can listen back to them by, again, just uh, Googling our own Come and See Inspirations podcast page. Just Google Come and See Inspirations, but com, And all of the reflections, uh, there were three each day from Monday last until, last, until yesterday. Uh, they're available to be heard back and played back on Come and See Inspirations.bushbed.com. Now, Shane, you've got something else to mention to us, I think, about NOC. Yes, so NOC next weekend. Um, it is the National Grandparents' Pilgrimage. And there's Mass on at the Basilica and NOC on the 25th of July at 3 p.m. Now, obviously, with the restrictions, um, there's limited capacity in the Basilica. So they're asking people to participate online. And it's available at knockshrine.ie. So it's the it's celebrated, of course, it's, it's World Day for Grandparents and the Elderly. It's celebrated on the feast day of St. Joachim and St. Anne, which is, of course, the 25th of July. Um, the principal celebrant will be Archbishop Michael Neary. He's the Archbishop of Tume and the patron of the association. And as well as that, it's the uh, it's the first World Day for grandparents and the elderly. Um, so it's which was set up by, which was announced by Pope Francis. Uh, the reflection at the Mass, of course, will be by Catherine Wiley, who is the founder of the Catholic Grandparents Association. Mm-hmm. And there's an invitation to children to send a prayer and a hug to their grandparents for Grandparents Day. Now, we will also see if we can get uh, an interview with Catherine maybe later in the summer, uh, because there is also the pilgrimage by the Grandparents Association to Knock. Um, so we'll just we'll just we'll touch base with them and see if we can get them on the program to talk to them as well. But that's three o'clock on Sunday, knockshrine.ie, and that's the, the mass for World Day for Grandparents and the Elderly. Thanks a lot for that, Shane. Okay, so now we'll have our spiritual communion prayer. This is a prayer we always pray for those who can't receive Jesus sacramentally at Mass uh, this morning. So my Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul, since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as being already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So now we'll go for our first bit of music. Maybe a nice bit of music to play this morning. It's sung by uh, uh, Daniel O'Donnell, and this one is entitled Morning Has Broken. So join us again in part two, where we speak with Sister Katrina Kavanagh, Vocations Director for the Limic Diocese. Morning has broken like the first morning. Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing, praise for the morning, 
praise for them springing fresh from the word. Sweet the rain's new fall, sunlit from heaven, like the first you fall on the first grass. Praise for the sweetness of the wet garden, sprung completeness where his feet pass. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space 102 FM. Uh, my name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And a delight for us to welcome back again and to the program at this time uh, in her uh, role as Vocational Director for the Limerick Diocese, Sister Katrina Kavanagh. Good morning to you, Sister Katrina. Nice to have you back again. Thanks for coming. Good morning, John. It's always a pleasure uh, to be here on the program. So thank you for inviting me. We thought uh, from time to time we, we do like to touch on the, on the subject of vocations. So maybe before we start, or maybe to start, what is a vocation? And specifically, maybe a, vo- a vocation to the diocesan priesthood. Can you talk to us a bit? Yeah, certainly. Um, so, so, John, I suppose to say that um, any vocation is an invitation, really. Um, it's out of love, uh, from the heart of God. Uh, and what it is, is to help us to discover and live in the fulfillment of the greatness for which he has made us. Um And the Lord always calls us in a very gentle and loving way uh, and invites us to respond to him then in freedom. Uh, And discerning a vocation, of course, it takes um, 
time, prayer, <laughs> uh, reflection, and uh, as as many of us can say, it takes a lot of patience, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also courage, really, uh, to respond to those inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. Um, and to discern a vocation, what it really means is to separate apart. Um, so whenever we have to make a choice uh, between two things, we're, we're discerning. Um, and I suppose something that's important to remember about discernment is that it never gives us 100% clarity. Uh, So there's always an element of a leap of faith involved and trusting in the Lord. Uh, And and just to be able to to talk about that to somebody, to to reflect in prayer um, and with somebody, maybe a spiritual director, that can help, um, can help us, help guide us in our discernment. Uh, then specifically, yes, the, the vocation to diocesan priesthood. Um, so the diocesan priest, we know, is called to serve a local community, um, really as a spiritual father, um, so a community of Christians, and uh, typically in a parish, um, but also a priest may be assigned to full or part-time uh, in a specific ministry, so maybe chaplaincy, um, a hospital, in a college, for example. And the priest... We know his life revolves around providing for for our spiritual needs, uh, especially through the sacraments, um, for the faithful in their everyday lives. Um, At his ordination, a a diocesan priest makes three promises. Um, That is the life of prayer, obedience uh, to his bishop and their successors, and of celibacy. Uh, And these three promises, rather than uh, constraining his freedom, they're intended to allow him um, to fulfill his vocation uh, and his path to holiness, to grow in holiness. And, and he's freed from anything uh, that wouldn't assist in accomplishing that mission of pro- proclaiming the gospel, really, um, to, to us, the people. And so, obviously, someone who's discerning a vocation uh, to diocesan priesthood needs quite a bit of assistance and support. So how, do, how does the church assist and support someone? Well, in many ways, um, the church uh, is is at the heart uh, of uh, us discerning vocations. Um, the church community itself uh, prays for uh, those discerning vocations. Uh, each diocese here in Ireland has a vocations director uh, who accompany the candidate. Um, so somebody who's desiring to discern um, the diocesan priesthood. Uh, the vocations director will help with that discernment, with selection, uh, but also throughout then the priestly formation up to ordination. Um, so the vocations director is somebody who's trained to uh, to accompany uh, during that whole process. Of course, the church then provides the structure for formation for priesthood um, and that formation on, on every level. Um, and uh, that will take place uh, in the seminary, but also uh, providing for uh, pastoral formation, uh, perhaps in the summer or throughout um, the years uh, where they have experience, um, the seminarians have experience in uh, particular pastoral roles. And so, Sister Katrina, just for myself anyway, I'm sure there are a lot of other people out there might just want to know out of interest, 
how does a process work? So, I mean, if someone has or thinks one has a vocation to priesthood, the first step for that particular person? That's a great question, John. <laughs> uh, the first <coughs> ad- advice that I would always give for, for any for discerning anyone's plan for God's life uh, to pray. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, to bring it back to the Lord, to cultivate that habit of praying um, and, you know, ways to do that. Um, attending mass uh, daily, if possible, just to be to pray, to be open to the grace, to receive the Holy Spirit's guidance. Uh, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament um, is really a powerful way to grow in love for the Eucharist uh, and to deepen our spiritual life. Uh, also good spiritual reading. Um, so reading scripture, of course, uh, but also the lives of the saints. Um, perhaps books on specifically on discernment and growth in the spiritual life. Uh, there's so many resources available, uh, but to ask for those, um, you know, to, to ask for good recommendations. Uh, of course, um, I, I'm talking to the vocation director uh, of your diocese, uh, but perhaps even before that, you know, just to talk to um, maybe either your parish priest or uh, a priest maybe that you know um, or admire or, um, you know, have seen, um, you know, something that's that's attractive about the vocation um, in that particular priest's life um, to get further information then from the vocations director about seminary and priestly life uh, and, and uh, then to, to set up uh, a meeting just to, to chat and further discern with them. Sister Katrina, can I just ask, I suppose the reality is for, for most people today, if they were looking for information or it's, you know, the first place you're going to go to is the internet. Yes. So I suppose the, the challenge there is what would be maybe two or three good resources for people would go to that you would recommend that they would use as part of their the process of discerning. Of discerning. Yes, certainly. Again, um, yes, and in this time of COVID has, has really emphasized uh, the need for for good resources. Um, I think uh, many, if not all, of the dioceses uh, will have certainly a tab on their diocesan uh, website uh, for vocations. I know for I can speak for Limerick itself. Uh, we issue um, a a monthly newsletter uh, which has advice for discernment. Uh, it also uh, highlights or spotlights uh, a priest of the diocese. Um, just uh, to to give that practical, you know, examples of a life lived out within the diocese itself. Uh, also um, highlights videos that might be good, good resources on, uh, again, the, the questions that are asked, you know, what what is a vocation? How do I discern? How do I discern well? And what resources are available? Um, and uh, to that end, uh, the uh, Bishop's Conference uh, being aware that there is this need uh, for uh, online um, resources, uh, have the National Vocations Office, and they have their own website uh, with all the information really uh, to at least get you started in the process um, of just explaining, uh, again, uh, the whole process um, of discernment to um, the priesthood uh, and also has all the contact details for the vocation directors throughout Ireland um, and, and where to find them. 
If a person um, thinks that they might have a vocation to a priest and they're speaking with a local priest, uh, I think you said then that they, then it's time for them to have a chat with the, with, with the, with the vocations director. So what's, what's the role of the vocations director then? Yeah, so the role really is um, to, to guide you through um, the, the actual the, the process of discernment uh, and also then to um, communicate uh, with both the candidate uh, and the bishop about the discernment journey. Um, he'll coordinate kind of the, um, the, the bishop will, um, you know, meet with the candidate as well to, to see uh, where they are at um, and how they're progressing. Uh, if it's somebody who is continuing on then to, uh, to, to explore the vocation to diocesan priesthood further, um, there's a new system in process, which is a, a propedeutic year. So it's a, a pre-seminary year. Um, and uh, again, uh, looking at that with a candidate um, and uh, seeing if that is, is something that they, they can go forward and, and, and do that. Uh, throughout the whole process, of course, just knowing that um, the candidate and the diocese like have the full freedom to either delay or halt the process at any stage, um, and that's completely respected by by both the parties, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And and the selection, like a vo discerning a vocation, um, it's you know it, it is something that is guided by the Holy Spirit, you know. So the selection. Is, is is continually, and that discernment is, um, you know, a, continually a process, you know, between both the diocese and the candidate themselves. So that constant communication um, in honesty uh, is, is very important. Um, that's, a, that's a key point, uh, Katrina, just to, I suppose to, to say as well, that, you know, sometimes I suppose um, there was a kind of a perception or a tradition in Ireland of the spoiled priest. So the person that had been to seminary and didn't finish it, you know, and, and I suppose it's important, I suppose, to get across to people that the process of discernment for vocation continues. It doesn't stop when you decide that or when the, you know, when the bishop accepts the, 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 the person to go to seminary. It's all the way through seminary, even right up until final decision is made before ordination. Yes, yeah, and I think it's really important to emphasize too um, that it's it's not uh, in any sense a failure, you know, like discerning out. Um, you know, the the Lord has a wonderful plan for our lives, and each one of us is unique, you know, and and the Lord uh, in in the mystery of how that evolves and how it unfolds uh, is unique to each person, uh, and so. Uh, he has he has that wonderful plan, um, but uh, to to not focus on it being a failure, but uh, the richness of of the experience of what the Lord has provided throughout. And in terms of just I suppose challenges with discerning vocations at the moment, Katrina, as uh, Katrina, I suppose kind of what would be kind of the the obstacles that are there at the moment. So, for example, you know, mm -hmm. looking at you know, the cohort of, of people between the ages of whatever it is, 25 to 40, you know, we're sometimes described as millennials. We're people that can't commit. We have commitment issues. We don't know how to say yes to anything. We're always looking for something new, which is a challenge, you know, for someone that's looking to discern a life that is quite different and countercultural. So kind of what would be kind of the main uh, 
challenges you know that you would face and kind of the conversations that you would have because i remember reading once upon a time um i think it was a book by the, the current archbishop of 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 new york timothy dolan and he was saying that for some of the seminaries in the u.s they actually had to get their seminarians to be in community because they were so used to being on their own uh you know it was it was one of the challenges that and he's of course he's a former he's a former rector of the of the NAC in the, the north american college in, in in rome but just in terms of the kind of the blocks and the, the difficulties and that kind of side of it as well when you're dealing with a very different social uh context for people what are kind of the challenges that come up for people that are discerning yes yeah that's a, a great question shane um certainly uh it's to discern a vocation to religious life or priesthood is certainly very countercultural right now. Um, and, and just to be aware of that and to be, um, I think, aware of the courage that it takes to step out into that and into faith, um, in faith to do that. Um, yeah, you mentioned that fear of commitment, or Pope Francis likes to refer to it as the culture of the temporary. Um, and I think that plays into a bigger area of just fear in general, um, fear being one of those most basic human emotions. Um, but like discerning, you know, like where that fear is coming from, from because we can't make a choice for anything out, out, out of fear, and God never calls us through fear. Um, so just acknowledging that we have those fears, naming them, bringing them to the Lord in prayer, and perhaps another person like a spiritual director, someone who knows you well, or vocations director, you know, can identify those. Um, and some are uh, that fear of commitment, fear of God, um, Sounds unusual, but like that, um, you know, if I don't make the right choice, you know, um, like, and, and we know um, that uh, both vocations, you know, like vocation to marriage and vocation to priesthood, like we're uniquely called to those, you know, so it's not um, that we, we put one as, uh, as better than the other, but, you know, what, what is the Lord calling me to? Uh, fear of ourselves that we're not good enough, um, that we're waiting, we can often wait on a sign, you know, um, and put limits on, on God um, and his goodness to us. Um, having a lack of freedom, um, like maybe through um, repeated sinful behavior um, or, or really being able to, to turn away from sin and, uh, and to turn in prayer to the Lord. Uh, and sometimes just a lack of knowledge, uh, you know, about what, what's really involved. You know, what, what is, like, you know, that gift of priesthood. Like, it's, you are, you know, the priest is in persona Christi, you know, uh, and our understanding of supernatural grace uh, and, and, and supernatural life, uh, you know. So uh, I think, yeah, being, being informed uh, is very important as well. And in terms of um, just just that whole discerning as well, is there also perhaps a risk that um, you could get caught in the discernment, if you know what I mean? Yes, yes, the a, society of perpetual discernment. Exactly, <laughs> that you you get you get you get stuck in it, and it's almost it's partially linked to that idea of actually making the decision, making the commitment. Um, but is there is there also a risk in that as well? Yes, yeah, there certainly is, um, and 
uh, for, again, various different reasons. So identifying that, um, either yourself or maybe somebody, sometimes it just takes somebody outside of yourself to be able to to point that out to you, you know, mm. um, and, and, and to help uh, because, uh, yes, certainly part of the process um, uh, and part of the virtue of prudence is that we have to make a judgment call and then we have to act on it, you know. Mm. So, uh, so that, that certainly is... It's crucial. Uh, and again, uh, perhaps that's linked into a fear, um, you know, of, uh, you know, not wanting to fail uh, or not wanting to, you know, perhaps displease people, like leaving your family. Um, you know, maybe people don't agree with your choice uh, and, and just being able to, to acknowledge those uh, and to be able to, to give that to the Lord in prayer and step out in faith. Mm. I think one of the key words that you used um, was the expression courage at the start. And I think for many people today, whether it's vocation to priesthood or religious life, courage is, uh, is one of the key things sometimes. But it's also a reminder to us, I suppose, that vocations don't grow under cabbage plants uh, or in you know, a drawer in the, in the bishop's desk. They come out of families. They come out of communities. And that if we as a people of faith want our masses, we want our churches open, if we want, you know, priests available to us to administer the sacra sacraments, that means we are, we're, we're an incarnational people, but we are Eucharistic people, and we require priests for our faith, for the practice of our faith. Therefore, we have a responsibility to encourage and support those uh, vocations to the priesthood and religious life. Yes, certainly. And the greatest way to do that is by praying. Um, certainly, um, and just for our own selves, uh, for our own desire for holiness, um, and and how just that that uh, beautiful odor of holiness that comes from somebody who's really you know striving union with the Lord, uh, just has such a powerful influence, um, you know, in the mystical body of the church. So just to remember that we each contribute to that. Uh, and and we only responsibility for ourselves. So um, just to to try to to focus on that, um, and of course to intentionally pray, uh, specifically pray for um, vocations um, and the especially vocations to the diocesan priesthood, and specifically for courage uh, for these men uh, to both um, you be able to make that first step. But also for our one for our priests who have committed so many years um, for a fidelity um, and for continued zeal uh, amidst the challenges that they may face um, and and that they exude um, it just uh, the the delight uh, and the peace and the joy um, supernatural that that comes from responding to the Lord's. So, Sister Katrina, we're, we're tight for time as usual, but just one last question. Somebody might be listening to our program this morning and maybe they're thinking about, maybe I might have a vocation to priesthood. Maybe I'm not too sure. What, what should that person do? Yeah, well, certainly... Um as I mentioned already, to pray. <laughs> uh, we can't hear it often enough, uh, but also if um, they are, yes, in the Diocese of Limerick, and uh, to please feel free to contact the vocations office. The easiest way to do that is uh, just to go onto the Limerick uh, Diocese website, 
and they'll find the contact details there. Um, and we'd be happy uh, to accompany them um, and um, to to help them with resources or to point them in the right direction. Sister Katrina, thanks a lot for, for joining us, for taking time out this morning. Yeah, um, thank you very much to both of you. Please, God, we'll have you back on again some stage. But in the meantime, uh, there's a piece of music I asked you to choose. What, what, what was the piece of music and why did you choose it? Yeah, so this um, is a piece called um, uh, Jacob's Song, and it's uh, it was inspired uh, by an encounter that one of the CFRs had uh, in New York, uh, and it was with a man who came up and asked them for a song, uh, and he was so so taken uh, by their just their response. Um, that he ran after them when they were finished and he said, oh, you know, give us another song. And they pointed him to the church uh, where there was Eucharistic adoration and said, you know, there, you, there's, there's beautiful music in there. And uh, it, it just drew him into the church, um, that desire. Uh, and just in the same way that uh, we too uh, have that same desire uh, just we're, we're wired for love, we're wired for God, um, and that our response will always be uh, to run to the Lord. Sister Katrina, thanks a lot for that. We look forward to listening to that piece of music. In the meantime, we'll keep you in prayer as Vocations Director for the Diocese and also all, all of those um, men and women who are discerning at this moment um, their vocation to religious life. Yes, thank you very much, John. God bless you now. Okay, and Bye. thank you, Shane. God bless. These times be tough with all the hatred and the violence All I'm looking for is a little bit of silence To be with you while I'm down on my knees Oh my God, I'm begging you please to Batter my heart, my three-person God Break down this old weary facade And show yourself, yeah, yeah But please show yourself in me Oh my God, oh my Savior Up above Hear my prayer, oh my God, oh my Savior, up above, please hear my prayer, oh. Crying out to my mother Zion. Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. Soon you'll see, soon you will see. And then he comes like a still small voice, way deep down in my soul. And you show yourself, yeah, yeah. Yes, you show yourself in me. Oh my God, oh my Savior, up above, please hear my prayer. Oh my God, oh my Savior, up above, please hear my prayer, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. 
again to the third part of Sacred Space 102 FM. My name is John Keeley and still joined by Shane Ambrose. And thanks to Sister Katrina Kavanagh for joining us this morning. But now we'll read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. Before that, Shane always prays this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thank you, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know as our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, uh, the 16th Sunday in Ordinary Time, is taken from the Gospel of Mark, and it's chapter 6 and verse 30 to 34. The apostles rejoined Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. Then he said to them, You must come away to some lonely place, all by yourselves, and rest for a while. For there were so many coming and going that the apostles had no time even to eat. So they went off in a boat to a lonely place, where they could be by themselves. But people saw them going, and many could guess where. From every town they all hurried to the place on foot and reached it before them. So as he stepped ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he took pity on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he set himself to teach them at some length. That's the Gospel for today. Shane, uh, any thoughts you might want to share with us, please? Yeah, so it's an interesting one. So obviously, it's a it's a it's a follow on obviously from 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 last week's gospel where Jesus sent out the twelve, um, and it's it's an interesting one, of course, because um, I always find it it's timely because it generally we hear it around this time of the year, and it's that uh, that first line where Jesus says, "You must come away to some lonely place all by yourselves and rest for a while." 
and I always think that's that's such an important thing um, that we need to pause and reflect on and think about. And you know, it kind of <laughs> you could almost say that's um, Jesus's attempt at uh, you know labor at industrial relations and saying you know staff are entitled to their holidays. But you know, you you could take the flippant approach on that. But also, it, it's it's a more fundamental thing um, that 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 I suppose we need to take into account. Um, which is the example that's been given to us by Jesus himself with the apostles and the reminder to us that anything that we do from a faith perspective must come from our center of prayer and drawing on, you know, an interaction with God that we, we must experience. And which is like links back very much, John, to what Sister Katrina was talking about in part two of the program and that whole role of, around discernment and making space for discernment and, and space to hear the voice of God. And it's something I think for me it was the it was that it was that line very much that jumped out this week in terms of the gospel. I suppose the other thing that I suppose that struck me about it also is very much that the gospel is um, even though that they they Jesus had said that the apostles uh, still needed the timeout, even when they got off the boat and he saw the crowd there for them. We have that very famous line. So he stepped ashore, he saw, as he stepped ashore, he saw a large crowd and he took pity in them because they were sheep without a shepherd and he set himself to teach them at some length. And I suppose it's that image, I suppose, of the compassion of Christ, which comes out again and again. Now, not some people, I, I know some people, they don't particularly like the comparison to sheep um, in terms of, you know, docile and clueless and brainless and, and, and this kind of thing. But, uh, you know, for me, it's, that's not the point that we're trying to get across. It doesn't matter what animals that we use there. It could be, you know, a herd of goats, a flock of sheep. It could be a, a bunch of dogs. It didn't matter. The whole point that we're trying to get across, the imagery that's trying to get across, is the idea that Christ's compassion for them because they were people seeking nourishment and seeking fulfillment and it's one of the things i suppose and it's one of the challenges that's out there for us at the moment um as people of faith is that there is a huge desire and there is a huge longing amongst people for something and the challenge is for those of us that are involved with our faith and are actively involved with church is how we translate or how we engage with that longing that's out there and how we engage with people that are searching and that are like sheep without a shepherd because it's very evident to us and asking us the questions I suppose there's two questions are we part of that group of people looking for something are we genuinely seeking out and asking ourselves and opening our hearts up to that divine encounter and that turn back to to God. And then the other side of it is for those of us that are inside the walls, if you like, of the chapel or, you know, how are we reaching out to those that are searching? And I think that's a very important question that each of us has to ask ourselves this Sunday morning in terms of where are we being witnesses to encounter. Um, you know, if you think about the gospel story, if you think about this, the, the, the journey to Emmaus, where Jesus accompanied people and tried to explain the scripture to them, and eventually they had the moment of epiphany. If you think about the woman at the well and, you know, the encounter she had with Jesus and how he changed her life, the whole point is we must walk with people where they're at, not where we think they should be. 
And that's something that can be difficult and can be challenging. It's time consuming. Um, and it's something that calls for huge uh, res- levels of patience, if nothing else. But it's also something very much echoing what Pope Francis has called us to do again and again, which is this idea of accompanying people where they are and discerning where they need to go and showing to them the mercy and compassion of Christ, which is what very much comes out in this Sunday's gospel for me, that whole idea. So he stood, as he stepped ashore, he saw a large crowd and he took pity on them because they were like, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he set himself to teach them at some length. And it's that image of compassion that I think we need to reflect on um, very much this Sunday, this Sunday and what it calls us to do and what we are called to respond to, particularly in a world where people, particularly young people, are looking for answers to the questions. And particularly as we are now coming out of COVID, and there'll be a lot of people that will have you know, they will have had time to think that they wouldn't have had before. And it presents an opportunity to us to engage with people in imaginative and constructive ways that, so maybe, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily a case of everything that we've done before and we keep doing it again. Maybe it's time for something new, something challenging, something to think about in an imaginative and in, an inviting way so that we are like Christ that we are going out to meet them and that we are encountering them where they are to lead them, to guide them, to discern with them, to walk with them, to accompany them on the way to on their way to God. Thanks for that, Shane. I like those thoughts. I like that. Thank you. Just a few things that just spoke to me when I was reflecting on the gospel. Well, actually, there were three things that spoke to me this week as I reflected on it. First of all, around the, around the apostles. We're told that... Uh, but Jesus, that that actually, no, we're told that that they said to Jesus, or spoke to Jesus about all that they had done and all that they had taught. And I had to remind myself this week: Am I like that sometimes? Wanting people to know what I've done, what I've achieved, but we all know it's not us. We can't do anything without God's gifts that He's given to us. So my attitude must be: Here I am, Lord. Can I can I do anything for you? Help me to do whatever you want me to do. And then thank God for the gifts and grace that he's, he's given me to carry out his will. The second thought that came to my mind there was about the crowds. We're told that they went on foot to the place where Jesus was going. And Father Frank, Dewey mentions in his notes this week, this journey could have been about 10 miles. People were prepared to journey a long distance to hear what Jesus had to say. The question for us this week is, could be, what am I prepared to do? to listen to what Jesus wants to say to me. And the third one is about Jesus himself. Even though Jesus had a plan, and the plan was to spend some quiet time with his apostles, Jesus took pity, as Shane just said, and recognised the crowds and came to hear them speak, and, he wa- and, and they wanted to hear the shepherd. They wanted to hear what Jesus had said. The question is, for us this week, could be, am I prepared to change my plans and spend some time uh, and spend time with someone who needs my attention. The gospel this week has something for us all to reflect on. So that's about it. Uh, to finish off our program today. Thanks a lot, Shane, again for for joining me and helping me to present the program uh, this morning. A final piece of music this uh, this week is it's sung actually by Matt Maher, and this one is entitled "All the People Said Amen." 
So it's next week for myself and Shane. Thanks again for joining us. Until then, enjoy the week. God bless now. Bye. Yeah,